Before we start, let us acknowledge that Queens is situated on tradi traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. We are grateful to be able to live, learn, and play on these lands. To acknowledge this territory recognizes a history and significance for Indigenous people who have lived and currently lived upon it, and currently live upon it. We also recognize the enduring colonial and systematic persecution that Indigenous people are faced with today. Welcome everyone to the 2020 Rector Open Forum. Thank you everyone in attendance and those watching on the live stream. If you would like to submit a question, please use our hashtag on Twitter, and then uh, which is AMSVotes2020, or um, you can also ask on the comment section of the Facebook live stream. Um, quickly introducing myself, my name's Lucas. I'm the Secretary of Internal Affairs for the AMS. I help run elections. Uh, I'd also like to thank my elections team currently in attendance who have helped set up uh, this event and, and um, build everything that you've seen for the election. I'd also like to thank Studio Q who are providing the live stream and the SLC for providing the face, the space. Uh, on rules of procedure, each uh, question, the candidate will have three minutes to answer. Um, and if I believe that they have not answered the question fully, I may ask a follow-up question. So we'll start with our first question. Oh, actually, we'll start with opening remarks. Sam, you have three minutes. Thank you, Lucas. Um, thank you, everyone, for showing up tonight. Um, I really appreciate uh, the attendance in the room, and I'm hoping there are lots of other people on the live stream. Um, I'd also like to thank, again, uh, the SLC for hosting, uh, for Studio Q for filming, um, as well as the Queen's Journal, who's here tonight, um, and Suet, who was uh, interviewing me earlier this week. Uh, it was fantastic to sit down with her and talk about my ideas. Um, I'd just like to open tonight with uh, kind of an explanation of what the rector is compared to what we've been seeing in the past couple of days, and we're going to be seeing tomorrow with the AMS debates. Um, so in all of my consultations, especially with administration, I've learned a little bit more about what the position is specifically. Uh, it's, it's intended to work between the administration and the students. So unlike the AMS and the SGPS, um, who are more advocating on um, specific policy changes, reacting to things that are happening, um, the rector is working on more long-term uh, changes to policy at Queen's University. So that's something that the rector is doing constantly in meetings uh, and advocacy work uh, within the administration on behalf of students. Um, the pillars that I'll be focusing on, and I think we'll be getting into more so tonight, um, the first one is community for you. So what that means to me is that we need to be fostering a safer, uh, more inclusive uh, space, spaces on campus uh, for all students. Um, we've seen in the past couple of weeks, um, especially with the incident that happened at Chown Residence, um, that we need to be more vocal and more supportive of the students and minority groups on campus. In addition with that, community means more than just the Queen's community. It means the Kingston community community that we reside in. Uh, and we've been in, at this university for over 170 years, um, and the relationship that we have with our city is a very important one, and that's something that I hope to continue to foster. Uh, support for you. Um, I've been lucky enough to work as a bystander intervention facilitator uh, this past year, and so sexual violence uh, prevention is something at the top of my agenda going into this. Um, it's uh, obviously the policy in talk is being reviewed and it is in a constant state of review and I think that removing the policy and the clause that the administration did was very important and I uh, fully support that decision. I think we need to keep consulting with people on that issue to make sure that all victims of sexual violence and survivors of sexual violence are um, ensured the proper support that they have on campus. Um, in terms of engagement for you, um, I'm 
been working with a lot of different faculties and talking to people across faculties, and I think that engagement between the faculties themselves has been low over the past couple of years, and I think that's something that we can improve on. Um, so not just having events specific to particular faculties, I think that we should be working, and I think the rector can be working as an intermediary between faculties to make sure that things um, are continuing to prosper for all um, students at the university. Um, and the last pillar that I'll be talk that I will hopefully be talking about tonight is change for you. Um, so this is changing the physical nature of the office of the rector. So as of right now, um, and I can say that it speaks to the fact that I'm the only one up here tonight, um, is that uh, there is a lot of hard work going on behind the scenes. Um, and someone I haven't thanked yet is Alex for all of her continued hard work behind um, behind the, uh, the office of the rector, and I think that's something that we need to bring out because I've been hearing more and more and talking to administration um, that Alex has been doing an incredible job behind the scenes, um, and it's, it's showing that work, thank you, uh, showing that work um, that we need to continue to do, and I hope to do that um, through that change pillar. Um, and I look forward to all the questions that we have uh, for the rest of the night. All right, so now your first question. What is your favorite Queen's tradition, and what do you believe it represents about the Queen's community as a whole? Um, so something that um, I've been privy to uh, as in my Queen's experience is getting my Queen's uh, leather jacket. Um, and Caitlin can attest to this, I actually only just got my bars put on two years after receiving my jacket. Um, and I think that speaks to um, just how we need to approach financial accessibility on campus. As someone who uh, had to apply to the ASSIS bursary in order to purchase my jacket and to be a part of the, the rich tradition that we have at Queens, um, it's been difficult for me to you know, participate in something that has just become a custom for all students on this campus. Um, so in taking I mean, that long a time to um, properly be able to wear my jacket and participate in this tradition, um, but it's something that speaks to the larger um, volume of the history uh, on this campus. Um, Queens is a very old institution, a very um, well thought out, structured institution, and that's something that a lot of students face barriers with. Uh, it's difficult to understand such a large institution when you're a single student, um, and something that brings everyone together in that history is the Queens faculty jackets. Um, so that's something that I think represents Queens culture as a whole, and that's something I've been uh, able to be a part of, but hopefully we can uh, continue to have people be a part of that going forward. No follow-up. So your next question, the, rep the rector represents both undergraduate and graduate students. What will you do as an undergraduate student to ensure you're adequately representing graduate students? Uh, that's a great question, um, and this is something that um, in my discussions today uh, with the Dean of Student Affairs and the Vice Provost, we, we talked at a great length about. Um, as an undergraduate student, it's very difficult for me to understand the needs and the wants of graduate students. Um, in my campaign this week, I've been very lucky and fortunate to have um, a, a graduate policy director who's been helping me to formulate um, a lot of the ideas that we've been bringing forward to make sure that it's not just going towards undergraduate students, but graduate students as well. Um, and in the role, I think it's important that you're not only addressing you know, what the AMS is doing, but what the SGPS is doing as well. And as I was saying in my opening remarks, the rector isn't necessarily a, you know, a ghost AMS president, a ghost SGP, uh, SGPS president. It's a very distinct role that represents all students on this campus. And I think that my platform accurately represents all policies that affect all students. And it's something that we need to continue to strive for 
going forward. Um, I think by just working with faculty and administrations across all levels of societies is uh, the best way that we can represent them. Um, and I think there are things that bring us together more as students than by the specific society that we're privy to. And I think um, that working through all levels of the stuff I've spoken about in my platform can accurately do that. Next question. Your first pillar talks about change, specifically changing the perspective of the rector among the student body. How do you envision this change happening while still maintaining the pre-existing responsibilities of the rector? So it's, an, it's unfortunate to me um, that as I've been campaigning to be the next rector, I'm continuously learning more and more about the, what the rector does. And that's something that I think a lot of students don't have the, you know, the time to commit to learn about what the rector is doing um, in, their, in their position. So I think it should be more accessible to students. Um, I don't think that there necessarily needs to be a change in what the rector is currently doing in the position. Um, but I think that it should be um, supplemented with much more um, active student engagement, um, speaking directly to students. Um, even this campaigning period, I've enjoyed so much talking to students and to faculty and administration just about what they want to see change from the university. And that's something that should be continuing every single day beyond the campaign. Um, so the rector position itself is supposed to advocate for all students. Um, and there are, there are changes, as I've mentioned in my pillar, if, you, if, you'd, love, if you'd like to read more about it. Um, but essentially, I see the position as changing uh, more specifically towards having a casework liaison um, kind of atmosphere to it, which means that um, clubs on campus, uh, individual students on campus, uh, can come to the office and ask questions about how the administration is run, because it's often very difficult for students to grasp just how large of an institution that we do have and how many people there are being paid to specifically provide resources to students. So whether it be you know, a single email that I end up giving them or a little research portfolio I start putting together, um, I think that it uh, serves the position in its actual mandate to ensure that there's a lot of physical work being done for students. Um, and there are a lot of traditional roles that the rector has, and I don't think that there's any reason why the two of those don't go together. Um, but I think that they can be working together, and they should be working together so that uh, the next time there's a rector election, it's not just one person on stage. Next question. In the support pillar of your platform, you advocate for many po policies to bolster and promote stronger mental health awareness in all facets of Queens. One such policy is getting professors to engage in mental health awareness tra training. Under the collective agreements between professors and the university, professors cannot be compelled into such training. How would you work with administration and faculty in order to realize this policy voluntarily? Uh, so this, this is a really good question, and this is something that um, I've been able to kind of discuss with administration over the past week. Um, so if, for those of you who weren't aware, this is absolutely correct in this statement that uh, university uh, professors and faculty aren't allowed to have this mandated training um, forced upon them, so it has to be willing that they are able to do this. I think by creating um, a demand from the student body, which we are already beginning to show, faculty and administration are beginning to realize that this is something that affects um, everyone on a daily basis. Um, student Wellness Services has been doing an incredible job to expand upon the existing services that they have and trying new methods 
of, of ensuring that all students are getting the resources that they have. Um, it's a very difficult uh, set of circumstances that the university finds itself in when we're talking about mental health because this is something that should be represented in every single policy that we have. So when we talk about sexual violence, there's a, there's a huge proponent that mental health goes with that. When we talk about alcohol policy, when we talk about student choice initiative and a financial accessibility, mental health goes with everything. In order to be strong students that we have come to be known as with our Queen's reputation, students need to have mental health at the forefront of that. If that means having a conversation with every professor who doesn't want to do this training, then that's something that might have to be done. This is something that the, the university itself has been dealing with, and I don't want to stand up here pretending like I have the answer to this question, but I think that it's through the collaborative effort and really demonstrating that students want this from their professors, they expect it from their professors and faculty, um, so it's something that should just unanimously be done, um, and I'd be working hopefully with uh, people to make sure it is. Okay, next question. Queens has had a pattern of racist, sexist, and homophobic incidents on campus, the Chown Hall incident being a recent one. What would you do as rector to support and advocate for marginalized and highly vulnerable groups on campus? Um, great, great question, and I don't think that this one either has a simple answer to it. Um, standing up here as a cisgender uh, white male um, I have an extreme amount of privilege, um, and I'd actually say, uh, is Jaden Daniels here? He was here earlier, there you are. Yeah, so Jaden said really eloquently last night uh, when he was speaking um, that he never had to question if he could run for the position of senator. It was never a question of whether his skin color, uh, ethnicity, race, any of that would have an effect on his ability to run for his position. Um, and I think in terms of student government and representation, that has a huge factor to it. Um, and as someone who is privileged, it is the job of myself, um, even uh, beyond the position of rector to be standing up for students in this community. And it's not something that a sole person can do alone. It's an insulating effect. And when you have this kind of rhetoric and this culture at this university, it's something that keeps these marginalized groups uh, being oppressed on this campus. Um, there are concrete steps that should be taking, taken, and it's something that the university, I believe, is starting to address. I think there's a lot more support that we need to be doing right now to ensure that the students themselves are being taken care of. This situation is one that I wasn't able to look at for like two weeks after it came out just because of how it affected me personally as like a queer student. And even in my own position of privilege, like I, ca I cannot imagine just how much it's affected the rest of this university. Um, and it's something that we need to make sure that we're having accessible ways for students to like talk to their peers about this. We need to get conversations and dialogues going. I don't think this has a specific right or wrong answer to it. I think it's just a matter of slowly uh, changing the culture on our campus. Um, and I look forward to doing that every single day uh, in the rector's office. Next question. When talking about community in your platform, you discuss repairing the relationship between the school and the city. One of the largest schisms between the students and Kingston community are the anti-party bylaws introduced by the city, namely the nuisance party bylaw and the university district Saf safety initiative. These bylaws are to many seen as anti-student legislation. Understanding that fault and blame is shared by both sides, what role do you envision the rector having in repairing these tenuous relations? 
Um, so I, I would agree in a lot of the sentiments uh, in, given in these statements that um, a lot of this legislation I don't think is necessarily anti-student, but I do think was done without proper consultation with students. So this is something that we need to continue to look at and examine with the city itself. Um, I'm more than open to having a working relationship uh, with the principal and the mayor of uh, the city of Kingston to continue these discussions to make sure that all students are being heard on these issues. Um, Kingston and Queen's University have been in the same place for such a long time. I had a really good conversation um, this morning again with the Vice Provost and Dean of Student Affairs in just talking about how this kind of relationship has always been going on and that we're not the only city in Canada and in like North America that has this very distinct society where Queens and Kingston are reliant on each other to sustain themselves. We support their, their economy and they support us um, in, in, in many other aspects um, and by hosting us on their lands. Um, so I think it's important that we um, continue to advocate on behalf of students. Um, I think uh, just by sitting down with them at a table, it'll be much easier to. Um, the principal has done an excellent job and continues to do an excellent job at promoting the good work that students are doing on campus and off campus in the community. We have a tremendous amount of volunteers behind us um, as a Queen's body, and I think that just by promoting that kind of narrative, uh, we're gonna be able to get um, working a lot faster um, at the policies that are best gonna reflect students and best um, represent the city of Kingston on campus. So a quick follow-up question. Um, you mentioned consultation a few times in there. The rector role um, is involved a lot in making sure that consultations potentially happen. Um, how would you work with both the administration and students to ensure that consultations are happening? Um, if anyone wants to check my emails, uh, I'm meeting with the mayor next week. Um, so that's one thing that I'm going to be doing to already start doing this. Um, something that I've brought to my campaign, and my campaign team can attest to this, is that we've shifted the narrative from voting in me as the next rector to finding out what students want from a rector. This isn't change that I see happening just within my two or three year term. This is something I want to see change for the next three, four, five rectors that come after me. These are working relationships that need to be started and need to be built now, so that's why I've already started working with them. The principal um, has agreed to sit in on this meeting uh, with the mayor and I, and I think that it's a matter of working with city councillors specifically because they have a lot of say on these uh, board matters, um, but concretely, these consultations will be happening, and I think it's a matter of marketing the rector's position in the rector's office to ensure that students are aware that these things are happening so that people know that, there's, that student voices are being looked at in a city context um, always. Great. Next question. In your engagement pillar, you discuss helping clubs like Queen's Backing Action on Climate Change to get their voices heard across all of campus. What is one of the largest hurdles facing clubs like QBAC in this regard, and how will you help them overcome these hurdles as rector? Um, I, yeah, the endorsement from QBAC was absolutely incredible to receive, and in talking with Nick, their president, um, I really gained an understanding of how uh, he specifically, and the club specifically, looks at student engagement on campus. He really kind of changed the narrative that I had. As someone who has been a student leader in a couple of different clubs, it's something I never really saw before. Um, and he spoke to 
the value that students are getting from their experiences. He, and you, the question asks about the struggles and the hurdles that clubs like QBAC are facing. I'd say QBAC isn't really facing those struggles right now. Um, I still get goosebumps thinking about the climate rally that we had in September. It was absolutely incredible the amount of momentum that a club like that could bring to campus and bring to voice changes on campus. Um, so I think making sure that students know that there is value with engagement on campus is something that we need to talk about and continually find in what we're doing. And that means that we shouldn't just be focusing on our own specific clubs and initiatives. We need to be talking to other clubs. We need to be talking to other groups on campus that are doing similar things that have similar values to us to ensure that what they're doing and what they're doing right, what like QBAC is doing right, other clubs can jump onto and make sure that all of these ideas and voices are being heard on campus. The position of the rector I see is being someone who can go between these clubs, being a voice to connect ideas, to connect visions, work on portfolios that don't necessarily just merge clubs together, but bring their visions and ideas together in a way that the administration can tackle. And the administration has to sit there and say, you know what, if, if the entire body is telling us we have to do something, then we better start looking at how we can do that. Um, and that's something that QBAC did tremendously well, and I think that there is a lot of potential, uh, specifically with mental health awareness clubs on campus, that we can actually sit down at a table, work through these policies, these ideas, these visions together, um, and implement them so that the administration has to take us seriously. Thank you. Next question. A lot of discussion on campus this year has been about the sexual violence prevention and response policy as it pertains to disclosure procedures. However, the underlying problem that necessi necessitates this policy in the first place is the prevalence of a, of a culture that perpetuates sexual violence. What would you do as rector to address this underlying issue? Uh, yeah, this is, a, this is a really important question and this isn't something that you know we've just started to figure out in the past couple of years. This is something that's been untalked about on Queen's campus probably since its founding. Um, and it, so this is a very um, institutional, um, cultural-based issue that we have to deal with. Um, and I think that programs like the Bystander uh, Intervention Program um, is a really good starting place to kind of unpack what the culture looks like and what keeps us from, you know, making these changes. Why are these things, these horrible acts still happening on and off our campus um, when we're, we are trying to change the dialogue there. So as rector, I think it's just a matter of bringing student, um, all, all bringing all of the ideas to change uh, these situations. Um, in, in, in my time as a facilitator, I, oh, there's the mic. Um, as my time as a facilitator, um, we learned a lot about what kind of actions bring this kind of insulating effect on our campus and in our uh, Queens community. Um, these things include the bed sheets that are put up in the university district, um, rape jokes on campus, uh, gay, uh, homophobic, transphobic ideas and sentiments that we've been seeing spread around. Um, and those are the things that kind of make us aware that, you know, these things are some for some reason welcome in this and it kind of creates more of an insulating effect. Um, and as rector, I think it's by boosting, you know, the great work that clubs and initiatives have been doing on campus to make sure that um, not only students, undergraduate and graduate, but faculty and administration are seeing, you know, the effects of these changes and these wanted uh, changes um, to, so that we can go forward and hopefully move on from this. Okay, next question. 
Alex Da Silva, the current rector, has created many new initiatives and brought important advocacy forward on campus. What is one initiative she created that you would like to continue and build upon if you should be elected rector? Um, so one of the things um, that I learned that Alex has been doing, um, again, behind the scenes, which is absolutely incredible of her, um, is bringing a scholarship uh, program to students of Kingston um, who have financial accessibility needs so that they're able to actually go to the institution that is in their city. Um, only 5% of Queen's students are from Kingston, and that is such a small number when you think of it. Um, I'm from outside of Waterloo, and I can name very few people from my graduating class that left Waterloo to go somewhere other than Waterloo or Laurier. So we're in a very unique um, university, a very unique city um, for all of these issues, and I think that by giving back to our community to make sure that the community is a part of everything that we're doing in this university um, should absolutely be continued. And I think through expanding that, hopefully, um, having discussions uh, with stakeholders in the community to see what else they're looking for from the institution that sits here um, is something that Alex has been doing a great job at and I hope to continue. Okay, we've now reached our intermission. Um, if you have any questions that you'd like to ask Sam, please put them on either a Twitter or on the Facebook live stream um, using that hashtag. Uh, and we'll be back in about 10 minutes. from our current rector, Alex De Silva. Alex? Um, so my first question is, if you had to choose one and narrow it down, what's one issue that both keeps you up at night and gets you up in the morning? Um, that's a great question. It's, since I was like a young kid, um, environmental policy has been like my big thing. Um, in grade five, I did my personal passion project on David Suzuki, uh, and I got to meet him in grade six, uh, which was like a, a big moment for me. Um, environmental change is something that, you know, you're able to watch and you, you literally see happen all around, um, and it seems helpless to, you know, you know, go to bed without really making a big difference. And I think at least in the past couple of years uh, at Queens, I've noticed a huge uh, shift towards, you know, being more eco-friendly uh, in products that we're using. The AMS has been doing an incredible job um, at 
cutting down on a lot of the waste that we have and using more sustainable options. Um, and I think it's smaller changes like that that kind of uh, will push corporations, industries, and government to make the policy that we need to do. Um, and it keeps me going every morning just, you know, because I, I have my reusable Kogro takeout cup um, that I love to use. Um, so that's what keeps me up and keeps me awake. Um, and then I can't fall asleep at night because of the coffee. Okay, second question. Um, the rector's office is not built around a team the same way that the AMS, SGPS, and faculty societies are. It's physically secluded from other student leaders, as well as socially. Much of the work you do is confidential, which also creates barriers. What will you do as rector to ensure that you don't experience the negative effects of that isolation, um, which would be a barrier to your success in the role? Um, so it's something that I've already start, already started to notice, you know, as a candidate, um, seeing all these other teams uh, vying for student election positions has been incredible, and seeing their their great teamwork that they have um, has, has has truly been inspiring. And I've started to notice that it's it is going to be a difficult, you know, jump into a position that is very um, very like lonely um, and has a lot of a lot of pressure on it. Um, and I think that. What I was able to do in my campaign to kind of combat that is having someone specifically there to do mental health checkups with me. And I think that it's, it's difficult to, to, with the people that you work with on a daily basis to make sure that you're going out and talking to people. Um, but having mental health support, like, you know, when I go home to my housemates, uh, when, I have, when I go out with friends, um, Sophie on my campaign, uh, who I hope is watching uh, live at home, that's what she said she was doing. Um, you know, she has encouraged me to like keep up my mental support, keep up my mental health uh, while going through that. I think that's going to be the most important part. Um, I mean, she got me a puzzle, which is incredible to do, uh, but also very difficult. Um, so I think it's, it, it is going to be a, uh, a very isolating position, um, but all the ideas that we're talking about, all the changes that I want to make are things that bring us together. Um, so by attending events, um, in, like initiating with clubs, uh, making sure that conversations are continually going, even though a lot of the stuff I'm working on can't be discussed and a lot of it is going to be confidential, it's st I'm still able to, you know, at least physically right now, go down to the AMS um, and to the SGPS to have those conversations. So I hopefully, hopefully I can continue doing that. But it, it will be difficult. Okay, great. Thank you, Alex. Next, the club's director for the AMS, Scott Schrempf, is going to be asking a question. Uh, so this year, the AMS executive and the rector have worked closely to advocate to the university on some key issues. How will you ensure that this relationship continues to grow during your tenure, and how will you ensure that you are both working to advance the interests of students? Um, as I was saying earlier, I think uh, the AMS uh, and the rector have very different roles in what their advocacy means. Um, so the AMS is getting a lot of face-to-face -face with students, um, this year's executive especially, um, just to make sure that student voices are being listened to and they're being advocated for. Um, and I think it is, it's going to be an interesting relationship going forward. Um, I've had the pleasure of talking with uh, the AMS team that is running this year. 
Um, so hopefully we can start to already collaborate and sh uh, find shared values and things that we think should be changed. Um, I also think though, because of the longer term of the rector, um, it's about looking to much, much longer uh, into the future than a lot of what the AMS has to do on a day-to-day -day basis to support students. Um, so I think it will be great to work together and I know the relationship that the rector and the AMS have had this year has been an incredible one. So I hope to model it off of that and um, hopefully following elections when I continue to speak with Alex um, about transitions to the position, um, that's something that we can discuss. Um, but I look forward to, con to keeping conversations going and making sure that um, the relationship is sustained. Great. Thank you, Scott. Okay, our next audience, audience question. What do you think contributes to effective long-term university policy? Um, so, obviously, the buzzword that comes to mind is consultation. Um, it, it is something that I've said a lot tonight, and I think it is very important. Um, consultation only goes so far in a lot of these cases. This university, Queen's specifically, has done an incredible job at hiring administration and faculty members that know their job through and through. They work with these policies every single day and they know that they are working in the best interest of students. When students realize and we begin to see that these policies aren't working in our favor or may have some difficulties with them, that's when we're able to step in um, and make sure that students' voices are being ad uh, advocated for through those policies. I still think that the dialogue is important to keep up throughout the entire process because they're the ones who are often working with it on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but policy making is about talking to people. It's about seeing what other places are doing differently than we are. So by talking to other university administrations, um, to other faculty, uh, just to make sure that, you know, we're not repeating a mistake that other people have made, um, but also making sure that it's specific to Queens um, in, in every aspect of it. Okay, next audience question. How do you evaluate the structures in place to foster collaboration between the rector and other student leaders? And would you change these modes of collaboration? Um, I think that there is a lot of active collaboration. Um, I was able to sit in on a couple of the AMS assemblies um, just to kind of see that face-to-face um, -face interaction that um, people have with the rector um, and that relationship that's working. Um, I think that that's a good relationship and I know that there is a lot of behind the scenes that goes on in that. Um, I've started to um, talk with some of the faculty societies. Um, I got the opportunity this morning to uh, meet uh, with the EngSOC team that is running uh, uncontested as well to talk about some of um, the barriers that they are facing in their association. Um, so I think it's seeing where the rector position is able to help them. And I think that in most cases, the faculty societies and the student leaders themselves know what issues they're facing and know somewhat um, how they can change them and it's just the administrative push that they need um, and some possibly uh, guidance and you know uh, the position itself that I'd be able to research and kind of help figure out what next steps to take for them. Um, it's something that I'd, I'd love to meet with uh, student leaders as much as I possibly can um, within faculties and within clubs on campus as well. Um, as I've said before, and I believe it's in my platform, they're the ones who are doing the really hard work of advocating for all of these changes, and it's an important role, um, and it's about making it as um, transparent and as clean uh, and as clear as possible to the administration so that things uh, can get accomplished in good time. Okay, next question. 
Many surveys have shown that less students engage in drinking culture, but those that do partake, partake are far more visible. How would you use the position of rector to normalize non-drinking culture? This is actually something that um, has gotten brought up many times throughout the campaign. Um, alcohol is something, and substance use in general, is something that affects a lot of what we do on campus, a lot of the policy that we talk about, um, and we want to change. Alcohol is at a, a base at a lot of these things. Um, Non-drinking events still have a stigma to them on this campus. As someone who works in a club uh, and has worked in multiple clubs, um, non-alcohol or dry events are often taboo to the people in the club and are often not very well attended um, for kind of the stigma that surrounds them. Um, I've gotten to speak with a lot of first-year students this year who have kind of, you know, absolutely flourished in orientation week and really found a place for themselves, found friends that they like, really enjoyed the dry atmosphere that O-Week brought to them and brought to their Queen's experience and when that ends, they're kind of lost in, you know, well, what, what options are available for me now? You know, everyone kind of continues to bring up this drinking culture and bring it right back. Um, I think that the rector could have a large role in combating kind of this, um, this culture on campus. It's about encouraging clubs and initiatives to not make dry events a staple that they need to include in their ideas and their um, policies, but something that is naturally occurring, something that doesn't need to be discussed anymore, and something that um, is a part of the actual infrastructure that we do. So by hosting events um, like that, I think it would be beneficial. All right, next question. When did you first discover the position of rector, and what made you realize that it was something you wanted to do? Um, so the first time I realized there was such a thing as a rector um, was in my first year during orientation week um, in the uh, ARC gymnasium when Cam Young, uh, the 35th rector, spoke um, to our class, our incoming class of 2021. Um, it was just, it was an, an astounding, he's a, he's a very fantastic speaker for those of you who haven't heard him. Um, he's very inspirational to, uh, to listen to and I kind of was intrigued at that point as to, you know, what the rector did and I don't think I, I may have saw him one more time while he was rector and at the school, um, but it was something that kind of kept in the back of my mind. And it wasn't until, as I mentioned, this, this past September with the, the QBAC rally that I kind of realized there is a position for advocacy to the administration, um, and it's something that I can see myself uh, going into the position of. Um, consultations, communication with faculty is something that I've demonstrated in past clubs that I've been a part of. It's something that um, should be done a lot more, um, and it's something that has, there should be a support system in place uh, for you know clubs like QVAC, um, mental health initiatives that want to increase their engagement, increase their support around campus. They should have that voice to the administration to make sure that their ideas are uh, being brought forward. So it wasn't until uh, kind of the beginning of this year that really inspired me to uh, go for this position. Um, and since then, uh, it's been my team that's uh, been continuing me uh, fighting for it. All right, now we are going to have closing remarks. Sam, you have five minutes. Um, thank you all again for coming tonight. Um, it's been really nice to kind of answer a lot of these big picture questions that we have. Um, I think the main takeaway I want to have from tonight, for myself personally, and hopefully if you can uh, take a part of it with you as well, is that the position of the rector 
um, as seen on this uh, stage tonight, um, is not really at the forefront of student thought on an everyday basis. Um, and maybe it doesn't have to be, but I think it should definitely have more of an impact on the daily lives of students, and I think it should be something that student leaders, people who are passionate about issues and have visions for our university should be able to advocate for. We have such an extensive alumni network on this campus and across the, the globe, um, something that is being unutilized to my eyes and to many of the people I associate myself with. Um, when, I, when I leave Kingston and I, I go to Ottawa for a weekend, I, and you, you, meet, you meet people that go to Queens, um, and it's, an, it's like an immediate connection. Everyone has similar stories, similar ideas of what Queens means, and it's different for everyone, but there's something that brings us all together, and that's something that I want to continue to foster, um, and it's something that in this large-scale policy changes is going to continue to change, um, and it should change because institutions should change, and I think they should change for the better. They should change from the student voices that want them to change, um, and it's been an incredible opportunity to speak to students to see what they want to see out of their rector, the ceremonial position that advocates for students, for Queen's students across the globe. Um, it should be an important position. It should be a hands-on position. I'm looking to change the way the office is run because to me, I would like someone who is approachable and feels people, I want to be someone that people feel welcome to come and talk to about these issues because oftentimes we have ideas and we have visions that just aren't able to be articulated properly and administration is very difficult to look at, it's very difficult to understand and it's something that I'm still trying to understand but it's the, the significance of this role is kind of bridging that gap for students to the administration. Um, I'm very much looking forward to continuing to talk to students during this campaign period. Um, and I know we didn't have a lot of uh, physical presence in this audience tonight, um, but I'm hoping that I can continue to expand what the rector can be for students. Um, what, and, and, and I should also mention that this doesn't end with the ending of this campaign. Uh, if people are unhappy with what the rector is doing, they should tell the rector. And if not the rector, they should be telling someone to come and tell the rector. Um, because it's a, it's, it's, it's a salaried position that students are paying for and aren't reaping the benefits of as much as they would like to be. Um, so I would encourage you all to vote for me in a vote of confidence, um, but I, I look forward to working and hearing from all of you uh, over the next week um, and hopefully beyond. Thank you. Thank you, Sam, and thank you everyone who is in attendance tonight and also all those watching the live stream. Again, I'd like to thank uh, Studio Q for providing the live stream tonight and also the SLC for providing the space. Thanks, everyone. Have a great night.
Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences. Thank you.